Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, on the ones and two, Brandon Newman. Brandon, how's it going? Happy Monday, sir. Great to have you with me. Are you okay? <laughs> Did something happen this weekend I need to know about? Or are you just taking as long to load as Love is Blinded last night? Oh, yeah, I feel like I have the freedom to load as slowly as I want to on a Monday. How about yourself? Man, uh, listen... I I hope we can upload faster than that because we've got a great show for you guys. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Michael Jr. tab. Uh, NBA playoffs got going in a big way. We have got some actually interesting college football news that I wasn't prepared for. And uh, we got to get into what went on at Coachella over the weekend. But Brandon, uh, 
last night I was fortunate enough to go with our friend of the podcast, Mina Kimes, who's going to join us tomorrow to do the full Love is Blind season four reunion episode recap because her and I were at the Love is Blind season four reunion live viewing party. Now, we weren't in the live studio audience that people saw if they've seen it at this point from the reunion we were in another room with a bunch of other reality tv show stars so former contestants on the bachelor and bachelorette too hot to handle i think some love island people in there uh the perfect match that me you and charlotte have talked about all in a room everyone being served drinks and small hors d'oeuvres waiting as for anyone that missed it the about hour and change gap between when the live reunion was supposed to start and supposed to post on netflix and when the world actually got it and brandon me and mina were so excited to be there it was cool she got invited and by the time we had posted and gotten the requisite clout for being in the room, we then also turned into everyone's text source for what the hell was going on inside of this hour plus delay that we got no explanation from by Netflix. Listen, we can talk all day about the delay because it was that long, felt like all day long. But the fact that you are now cemented and minted into this new age of uh, royalty when it comes to reality shows and, and th this new wave of reality show royalty, it's just a matter of time before you tell someone else that they can give out a rose. Does that make sense? Well, man, I really don't want that to be, cause you know what? One thing is, is like getting to talk to everyone. It was cool. Like these people are all very nice and you get an appreciation that they are just normal people. And that reality TV is a lot of editing and a lot of production and a lot of things that go into the bells and whistles, but it also reinforced, I'm not about that life. I'm a watcher, not anything else. And so eventually maybe like getting to host one of those shows, that might be the ticket because getting to watch Vanessa and Nick Lachey host, getting to watch Jesse Palmer, who I work with at ESPN, host The Bachelor, that might be a little bit more aspirational. But man, it was it was wild being in the room, watching how everyone chose to use the hour delay. And it got to the point where by the time they actually got out, it was, hey, we're just going to show the live reunion finale for you guys, everyone in this room, and you've got to stuff your phones. This is embargoed, and if we see your phone out, security is going to come and tell you to put it away. And so at that point, we were now all of a sudden getting an exclusive when it came to this as opposed to just watching it with everybody else. And so, you know what, honestly... The folks at Netflix, I'm sure it was a very stressful night in that room. They did the best that they could. They tried to find a way to make that enjoyable. They did finish us off within an Outburger, Brandon, which made me think of you in the room as they were bringing out snacks there that we were constantly on the hunt for. So you would have been proud of that effort at the very least. Hey, there's an L.A. way to grease the wheels, and they know it's in and out Burgers and, and that fresh lettuce that they put on those things. And we're not going to talk about how you feel about them right now because I think the important part is – that you had a very special LA night, Mike, and it was very real and all those reality TV stars all in one place. Like I can ask for you, Mike, a lot of those people are single. Is love actually blind? Did you fall in love last night seeing any of those people? Well, no, because I mean, love's definitely not blind because all these people are also one taller than you would expect and all very pretty, all very beautiful. Like uh, the guys are all extremely young. That was the other takeaways, especially on the bachelor side, mm -hmm. all of the guys seeing people in a group in their mid-20s is humbling and reminds me how old I actually feel now. Uh, I would say the biggest takeaway is, honestly, getting a rock home with one of the gold chalices that everybody sees on Love is Blind. Like, 
I, I actually had some people ask me last night, and I guess I always take for granted that most people don't just live day to day in reality like me. The reason they've got the gold cups on Love Is Blind is the is the continuity editing trick. They want to be able to cut up the film, yes. and so they can't have you seeing the levels of the drink inside people's cup. Uh, and so getting to have that now where I will sip my juice for the rest of time was a big win coming out of that night. So we'll have the full actual Love is Blind reunion uh, recap with Mina tomorrow because, man, from the actual episode itself, once we got into that, there is a lot to freaking get into. There are a Crazy. lot of things that I thought were questions that went unanswered uh, that we want to get to, especially as it pertains to Micah and Arena and how they were dealt with, the fact that Jackie and Josh weren't there, and Marshall just had to address people down the line on camera. It was it was pretty wild, to say the least, uh, on that front, Brandon. And it was even crazier because during the in the midst of all this, as me and Mina are sitting here trying to hawk down the people with hors d'oeuvres and trying to you know, sustain ourselves during the break. We also kept remembering to look down and check our phones and see what was going on in the NBA playoffs. Like at that point, the Clippers and Suns game was going on. And so we're like yeah. watching on a little screen under the table as Kawhi Leonard goes off and the Clippers managed to take game one in that series. And it was this reminder that while it felt like this was one of those big internet moments that everyone had rallied around here, the meme potential was off the charts. People were getting after it. And I'm sure... Netflix is going to have a couple of very interesting meetings in the next couple of days. Thank you, by the way, for inviting me so that you could invite me and bring us there. Um, I hope you keep doing that, even though this, because I felt like this was a softball and a kind of soft launch, Brandon, for them eventually doing this with an even bigger live studio audience, having the people that are as a part of the reunion in front of a bigger crew like this, even bigger than they already were. And so I hope that doesn't change because I do think that's a very interesting model for this particular brand of reality chaos. It's very odd that Netflix still can't get TV right. And I don't know if they're ever going to figure out how to get live TV right, but they failed yet again. Yeah, when it's not what you do often, sometimes you see the value of reps in these situations show up. And so, uh, again, Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst. We might talk some draft tomorrow, but honestly, she is going to join to make sure that we can properly break down and recap everything that went on uh, with Love is Blind Season 4 reunion. But Brandon... That is probably not what most people came here for at least today. Well, most people it probably is. Probably need to have a discussion about the big performances from the NBA playoffs that we saw this weekend. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. So let's get to it, Brandon. Uh, 
The NBA playoffs got it going, and man, it felt fitting that we really got to begin with the Sacramento Kings as the entryway into this. With just how rockin' Golden 1 was as an arena, 17 years in the making for that team making it to the playoffs, getting to light the beam with a big-time win, it was it that was genuinely cool. When you look for all the scenes in sports that make you nostalgic, that make you feel all the things that we love from like the ideal sports perspective, that one there and getting to watch De'Aaron Fox after the game light the beam for them was pretty freaking cool, right? Yeah, obviously 17 years seeing the fans react. It was like when the Knicks uh, finally made it to the playoffs again. It was like bing bong all over again. Uh, just to see how many people there in that city in Sacramento really do care about the Kings. Where Obviously, you know, when a, when a franchise is bad, it's easy to just, you know, throw it out to the winds. But they've been good for – they've been knocking on the door of good for a long time. But I'm glad that, like, Mike Brown and, and De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, like, there's some last-second pieces that have been – that fueled this last run for them, for the Kings. Yeah, it, it, it has been. And you met Mike Brown factor is a great one. Obviously, very nostalgic for him doing this against the Golden State Warriors, the defending champions, team he was a part of in assistance for, uh, for a lot of that championship window. So had to be a pretty cool full circle moment for him. But we mentioned it last week. To have that performance and to get a win in that game on your home floor against the defending champions for a team that is coming into this still, I think, searching for respect. They've gotten a lot more of it because of how the regular season went, but we all kind of knew the looming specter of this NBA season was for teams like them, some of the other teams, the Grizzlies who are going through it right now that we'll get to. It was about what were you going to do when you got to the stage, and so... We'll see what happens over the course of a long series for them. But in game one, for them to be able to max out some of their role players, like we said, over 40 points coming off the bench for them, led by Malik Monk and what he did. Dominant rebounding performance from Damana Sabonis, who's been doing that all year long, especially on the offensive yeah. glass. You need to, in the postseason, max out your role player performances at home. We've seen... I mean, anecdotally, going back, you know, watching the playoffs, especially in the modern era in the NBA, where shooting is such a big part of it, so much is, can your role players get hot at home? That's why what the Lakers did was so off the wall this weekend, too. And so it kind of does bring up that question, Brandon, because on one side, you've got that awesome moment for the Kings, which, love that, um, love what they were able to do. Uh, and listen, Golden State's going to adjust. That's going to be something that they make happen. But you've got that on one side. You've got then the Lakers on the other side as far as a team that came into their situation and managed to get a win, in their case, on the road. So you get LeBron James and company going on the road and managing to kick down the door on the Memphis Grizzlies Largely led by a performance, again, of role players, where normally you get that at home, and instead here you get Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves having the game of their life Ooh. in the same game and downing this Grizzlies team. And so now it's – I don't know. For me, Brandon, I'm much more confident in Golden State figuring out their situation and making that a long series, still potentially winning that series because you saw a lot of the same things that have made them successful – on the other side, though, with this Lakers and Grizzlies series, Lakers fans are going to get ready, I'd imagine, to take irresponsibly today and in the coming week. Because <laughs> what you got yesterday out of that team on the road without a marquee LeBron James offensive game, defensively, yeah. watching him 
working on that side, you know, the blocks that he had in addition to Anthony Davis's seven blocks, you got the two of them going to work on that side of the court. I thought LeBron kind of undermined his own defense with how weird and off his passing's been lately, but you didn't need hmm. the best game from him at this point to go out and get a win on the road. And to me, that should give Lakers fans a fair amount of confidence because that's the hardest thing to do in the playoffs. I'd have a lot more confidence in them going out and winning the series, especially because now you got to worry about John Morant and the injury to him. John Morant going up uh, like he often does, launching himself headlong towards the rim in the middle of this game, came down and you saw a brace right on his hand and on his wrist and immediately got up in agony. You heard him yelling. He ran back to the locker room and wasn't able to re-enter the game. He had had that hand taped up a little bit before the game, came back out on the court, and it was taped up even more. And you listen to John Morant talk after the game. This is a dejected dude trying to assess his place in the rest of the series. Tough, man, especially, you know, with everything uh, I've been through um, pretty much, you know, this season. Um, you know, my main focus was to, you know, be out there for my guys, Another, you know, um, incident where, you know, that's pretty much in, you know, jeopardy. So, but I know, you know, I'm going to do anything to, you know, try to be out there for my team, um, be out there on the floor. Uh, it's pretty much, you know, how much, you know, I can tolerate. Um, I feel like, you know, I can go out there and, you know, be somewhat myself. Uh, you know, I'll probably play, but if not, you know, I don't want to do anything to, you know, hurt the team. Honestly, man, I don't know. At this point, not even surprised with, you know, how my life been going. So feels like it's one thing I've been Back to back. I don't know, man. I'm just, you know, pretty much numb to everything now. It's like I'm not even surprised. Uh, it's one thing after another. And you do feel badly for him, Brandon, obviously on the injury front here, when he says one thing after another, a lot of those things were of his own doing. And so that's Absolutely. probably worth repeating as he laments uh, about what brought him here. But you can clearly see it's weighed on him. Like whatever brought him there and certainly his role in it, it's affected him because for him to be at that state as a leader of this team, there's going to have to be a lot of picking him up behind closed doors that goes on here for Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. and the rest of these guys who know how important he is to this team. And the rest of those guys still went out. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. went off, had a game opposite Anthony Davis that they definitely right. needed for him to win. But, Brandon, without John Moran, I can't realistically pick the Grizzlies to win this series. So Lakers fans get to start to wonder about how deep this can go because you know every great postseason run – means the ball's got to bounce your way. And sometimes that just means the other team dealing with injury in a way that you as the Lakers survive. Anthony Davis going out briefly in the first half with a stinger on his shoulder before returning oh in the gosh. second half and be able to finish that thing out. Oh, are you one of the people too that immediately started rolling their eyes and getting ready to attack AD when that happened? Getting ready to attack AD, Mike. He sat there after what looked like a non-contact kerfuffle uh, where his arm was linked up between saying, I can't move my arm. I think I think it's broken. And then he gets ushered off the, the court like Paul Pierce when he had poop gate and comes back out and has an amazing game. Like I am done with Anthony Davis in his dramatic 
uh, overzealous. Like the the mentality you should have in the playoffs is whatever had Austin Reeves had. It's like I will not come off this floor. This is this cannot happen to me right now. And Anthony Davis is like, oh no, someone get the cast ready and get your autographs ready. I need everyone's signature. It's like relax but there is this bubble nature of whatever's going on with this lakers run that i do believe in mike i have to believe in even without john morant there and let's not forget how good the memphis grizzlies were without john morant this season so they are a capable ball club but the lakers are just hitting on all cylinders they really do look like one of the top teams in the west and they need desperately a series like this to get their legs under them to see what a seven game series looks like when they have to win. Cause as good as this team is, they haven't played together like this in meaningful time, the way that other teams in like the Warriors have. Yeah. Well, and I mean, really no Laker team in a while played together the way they did in this game. This is the first time the Lakers had four players score 20 or more in a playoff game since 1988, when it was James Worthy, Magic Johnson, Kareem and Byron Scott. So and so, yeah, this has not happened very often. And that's what Memphis is banking on, right? I heard Desmond Bain talking after the game, basically saying our game plan was to, and boy, was it apparent, give Rui Achimura those shots to hit from the outside. Now, they didn't count on him going five or six from three or whatever he ended up going. And they basically said, hey, if you're going to do that, we're comfortable losing that way because they were going to send double teams in Anthony Davis. They were going to get the ball out of him in LeBron's hands and make other people beat him. And so other people, you're right, being Austin Reeves in the pick and roll with Anthony Davis later in that game. The image and the soundbite of Austin Reeves running down the court, screaming, I'm him, will live in my heart forever. That's a Hall of Fame NBA playoff moment. <laughs> Austin Reeves, who like, everyone talked about his journey there, his journey in college, transferring, going and, you know, even back, I saw people posting his high school numbers and him being dominant there as if every NBA player is not dominant in high school. But to right. see him out on that stage, Brandon, I don't know, just being his milky white self in that moment was perfect because he has a confidence that his physical ability should not beget. And that's one of the things that I think people love about sports is we talked about the confidence that borders on arrogance and Austin River, Austin Reeves, excuse me, has that market cornered. I don't know. You might have said it right. He does have the confidence of a Rivers, uh, like Austin Rivers out there. Like, okay, where are you coming from? And why do you have this? Oh, but LeBron James answered that question already, Mike. He credited Frank Vogel in throwing him out there early in his career and making him get minutes when they didn't need him to get minutes. And he was a detriment to the Lakers at one point. And now it's, it's bearing fruit on the other end. I do believe Austin Reeves, is that, you get it? The Austin, Austin oh, yeah. Reeves? Oh, yeah. um, yes. I do believe that he is going to be a key piece moving forward, just like James Vanderbilt. But it's the, the fact that we have so many Alfreds to shout out to JJ Reddick and his podcast with us. The fact that the we, excuse me, the Lakers have so many Alfreds on their team should make the rest of the NBA nervous. It, it absolutely should. And again, I cannot stress enough to get that performance on the road from those guys where you're not even in that home environment that for whatever reason tends to make role players especially step up and feel a lot more comfortable around there. And because now Anthony Davis, like you mentioned I think what people's sensitivity is with him, which is this feeling that he's always close to another injury. Because I think it's less an indictment of his toughness and more just picking at old wounds. For too many Lakers fans, it's been the here we go again and this thing that undermines their season. Because we know at this point they're going to go as far as he's going to take them. 
LeBron James is going to be able to step up. He's going to have some big games. But like we saw yesterday, Anthony Davis had a game where he had seven blocks. His stat sheet was pretty remarkable, even if it wasn't a 40-plus point output. They won that game in large part because of the tone he set at the very beginning and then how he helped close the game with Austin Reeves and the way they were using them in a lot of the two-man action at the end. So he's the catalyst now. That's become abundantly clear for them. And so that was the worry. Like Once I saw it was a stinger, as someone who used to get one of those every other day, Lakers fans, he's going to be fine because that's not something that's going to keep you out long-term. It just freaks you out because your whole arm is burning. And when he said, I can't move it, like you can move it. It's just kind of numb. It feels sort of weird. It's like when you get Novocaine at the dentist. And so going through that, like he was going to be fine. And like Brandon said, because of the nature of the hit, he was going to be fine. But it's that reminder, and boy, oh boy, that whole first weekend of the NBA playoffs between the John Morant injury that we saw, between Tyler Hero's broken hand, Giannis and his back that we'll get to, Paul George not even being available for the Clippers, it sounds like, for the entirety of Series 1. It is that reminder that, like we always talk about with the NFL postseason, injury seems like, especially in the West, it's going to be content to decide a lot more of these games than actually what goes on in the court. And so if you're the Lakers, you got the reminder that while it's always there you survived and you were on the winning side of it for once and for Memphis you heard it in John Moran's voice and I'm sure he's not the only one waking up feeling like that today that man after all we had been through it felt like we still had a shot to go and do something because we got Ja back out there we felt like he might finally be in a place where we had left some of the off the court conversations behind and this was just going to be about basketball and now that this has infiltrated that this is Pretty easy. And Brandon, you know this. We were a part of a lot of really mediocre football teams when we first got to Notre Dame. One of the hardest things to do when you're a bad team is shake off when bad things happen. Like I remember sitting around in the fourth quarter on the sideline in a lot of games where we're inexplicably about to lose to Pitt or Purdue or some team that we didn't think that on film looked as good or performed as well as we had at that point. And then something goes wrong you know, botch snap on a special teams play or miss tackle for a touchdown on defense. And you would always get that feeling. And I remember it so clearly of here we go again. Like here's just another thing that's piling right. on now instead of resetting next play going on all the things that you're taught. And so for John Morant and the Grizzlies, you heard it in his voice. That is very clearly for him right now. And it's in the immediacy after the game, but it's oh, here we go again. Here's another bad thing that's happened over the course of the back half of the season for me, for this team. And now you've got a Lakers team on the other side that's got LaFreakin James and Anthony Davis there who weren't even the ones that actually beat you tonight. Yeah, that's why I think it's most interesting though, Mike, because the teams that have the, oh crap, here we go again, got wins in the Clippers and then also in the Kings and the Warriors, like you said, don't need to have that first game win to to, to feel validated because they're the former champions and also the Lakers with LeBron James. Like you expect them to get that early win, but that's why I feel like it's going to be interesting moving forward. Cause you have teams like the Clippers and the Kings that are looking really good and did were able to pull out this, this uh, magical game one, but we've seen the Clippers implode in the, in the past. And we've also haven't seen the Kings here. So we don't necessarily trust them all the way. And also we don't really trust 35 points from Malik Monk off the bench. Like that can't happen every game. Yeah, no, and and it's a great point of that happening at home, too. And you had everything on your side if you were a team like Sacramento. You had all of that wind beneath your wings. I did see somebody ask, too, what happens if you're in a plane and you get hit by the beam? 
Like it's got to be a little bit unnerving <laughs> to see that thing coming up at you if you're in the sky. I don't know what the airspace is worry like about over it. Golden One. Yeah, it's, it's they've yeah. just been lighting that thing all like with no regard for anyone above them. Yeah, but what's it been? Seventeen years, right? Yeah, seventeen years. I, I it, like the advent of that beam is going to produce so many bad copycats in the coming years too from other teams Ooh. that are going to look to like try and capitalize train. on that. Yeah. Oh yes. God, it's so true. Now, whoever does the turnover chainsaw version of the beam will have my sword and shield forever. But in the meantime, <laughs> everybody else, be careful with how wild you go with all of that uh, coming up here. But Brandon, we mentioned some of the ones looming. Um, the next part of the playoff discussion is we've got to ask the question about the biggest injury impact that we saw from the opening weekend of the NBA playoffs. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So let's take a look on the injury front, Brandon. Uh, really the most unfortunate part about this because the NBA playoffs are kind of like a new season in its own right. And we always talk about beginning of the years, whether it's the NFL draft for that league, whether it's the beginning of Major League Baseball that we just saw. You begin with a lot of hope, and for everyone that makes the NBA playoffs, it's a lot of the same. And for teams in Milwaukee, Memphis, and in some ways, we'll talk about parts of Los Angeles and Miami. The injury bug already showed up in a way that's meaningful enough to affect how you go forward. We've got Giannis, who went down in the middle of the Bucks game with what was called a back contusion uh, at the time, who's going to continue to be evaluated for his status in game two that went out for Milwaukee, who dropped a big game in game or a big game in game one to the eighth seed Miami Heat, who lost Tyler Hero to a broken hand during that game. You saw him go down hard on that, try and run off to the locker room, be told, yeah, you can't run out right now because no one subbed you out and go back out and actually attempt a shot with a broken hand that ultimately didn't go down. But that's likely going to do it for his series. And then we've talked about John Morant and the hand injury there as he braces coming down from a fall. And Paul George, who is likely reported by ESPN, not going to be available for the Clippers at all through the course of round one. Now, for them, you got the response of Kawhi Leonard going off for 38 and getting game one against the Suns, which was huge for how we've talked about that Phoenix team. But Brandon, if we're looking at the most impactful injury for the rest of this I'd say first round of the NBA playoffs. 
I would imagine it's probably the John ja Morant injury just because I feel like they're a lot less able to already being down Steven Adams and knowing how important Ja is to that team, plus factoring in that it's the Lakers as the opponent. I feel a lot worse about them holding up against that team than I do this Milwaukee Bucks team somehow being able to, with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, eke out a win in a tough series against this Miami Heat team that's also a little banged up right now. Yeah, unfortunately, if it wasn't for the Tyler Hero injury, I would say that the Giannis injury is bigger because he's the battery of that team, the MVP, if J.J. Redick has anything to say about it, and he does have a vote. Uh, so I think it's losing Giannis seems insurmountable, but when you are losing, you know, 20 to 30 points a game from from Tyler Hero and that outside shooting ability. I could just see Jimmy Butler looking even more tired. You know, he turns in, turns into Michael Jordan in the playoffs uh, while he, in the regular season, is, you know, plays like, hmm, oh God, Greg Oldham. Uh, but anyways, but I, I just feel like that there's a bigger chance for the Bucks to turn this into uh, a second round or, or another, another run into the playoffs where I think the Miami Heat are really cut off right at the knees right now with Tyler Hero in his hand. Yeah, well, and listen, you mentioned the Jimmy Butler portion of it. I think one of the most potent bits of NBA analysis we'll hear all year is still Brian Windhorst describing Jimmy Butler as a guy who doesn't care about the regular season, but then hits the postseason and becomes a demon. And that showed up. That's what we expect. I think this game and the reason I'm more confident in Milwaukee's ability to rebound is because they've also played games without Giannis over the course of this season. I think they were 11-8 and eight without him during the regular season, but it's also the fact that this game itself was a perfect storm for something like this to happen and for them to get a win because you had this Miami team that was only a couple of days removed from winning their way out of the plane and making it here. So rest versus rust shows up. And for that team, you were fresh off of that playing in that high form that got you to this point. On the other side versus a Milwaukee team that had been sitting for a while, and then you have all that time to build your game plan around this, go in feeling good about how you're going to do it, and then you take out the biggest piece in the middle of that game. And that's the other thing we always know is – Losing a player to injury during the game as opposed to losing them during the week or having to adjust coming off the prior weekend, totally different set of math because now you're trying to adjust right. on the fly. You have role players that are going to have to step up. And again, we know with Milwaukee, it's a really deep team. Maybe not Boston deep, but deep team. Having Drew and Chris out there as guys that are in leadership positions on that team are used to being part of that big three battery. But everyone including all the role players having to all of a sudden pull more weight within the body of a game where you're adjusting on the fly and you don't have, have all this time to craft it with everyone behind the scenes that to me is a different energy and it's why this was the perfect game Charles Barkley and the guys inside the NBA at halftime were adamant it was the one thing Charles kept saying which is Miami needs to take this game now because it is in all of those ways the perfect opportunity for them and so them being able to rebound to me also because of the championship medal of that team versus that Grizzlies team where Ja is a leader on that team and Ja is you know whether it's more by who he is as a player maybe and what he does on the court for them knowing they've got that guy that's just a different breed of athlete to rely on seeing him like that after the game not really something that's going to inspire a lot of confidence in that group versus the Lakers team on the other side that's got I'm him Reeves 
stunting on everybody in the middle of the court. So that's the reason I think I worry the most for those guys and for what that team looks like going forward. I saw um, Jen Latta, who is a former coworker of mine, does a great job at ESPN Radio in Milwaukee. They were running the poll on their show. Would you rather, if you were a Milwaukee fan, rest Giannis, be overly careful going into game two, and try and make sure he's in the best position for the rest of the playoffs. That's the one thing I will say is if there's even a chance he can be out there, I do think you got to get him back for game two because the last thing on earth you do need is to give Jimmy Butler and a weird Heat team that could absolutely get playoff hot a chance to go up 2-0 and in that series. I do think you got to kind of get out and stop the – for lack of a better term, stop the insurrection here pretty quickly if you're Milwaukee and you want to get things back to normal. <laughs> yeah, but I just don't know what is normal. Like, we know back is a part of the battery. We talk about the battery a lot, the battery, you know, the core of the thing. Like, I, I don't see how Giannis in that long back of his, any form of contusion, uh, him being a force, him being able to, to really affect the game in, in any type of way. Like, he's a big physical body. He's not someone that can just sit on the corner and, and take threes or and spot up shoot. Like, I feel like he needs to be a physically imposing part of this team. And I don't know if he can be with a messed up back. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's going to be matter. The x-rays were negative and it was ruled out as a lower back contusion because it looked like an impact injury. And at that point, all your right. muscle, spa muscle spasm, everything happens. Like I've had a lot of low back injuries, but most of them were compression-based. It was when everything pushes down, now all of a sudden you get the nerve pain that starts. You get a slip disc. You get those things that are going to alter how you go about that. And you're absolutely right in that. It's one of the most debilitating things back and next. I mean, any of us listening to this podcast Ooh. or talking on it over 30 know how difficult life is when you just screw up your neck sleeping the wrong way, which happens way more often than I am proud to admit now. But <laughs> for Giannis, and yeah, what he's asked to do physically for that team, it is a great reminder that if it's a contusion and it really was just, hey, hard impact, almost like he got the wind knocked out of him there, wasn't going to be able to operate comfortably, but – rehab plan can warm it up and there's not any actual structural damage to the inside of his back that they've got to work through there's not anything that's going to start to nerve out on him all of a sudden that becomes a lot easier prospect so uh, for him what brandon well i was just thinking with with austin uh austin reeves that's messed up tyler hero Giannis, and john morant each of them were doing this Superman diving jump toward the basket, or obviously when it comes to Tiro, he was diving for a ball. Like there's there's something to the playoffs that's a new form of basketball, of like really just selling out your entire body that I don't think these players are used to or are ready for. Well, I think like Giannis certainly has like enough experience to where I'd say he is. And like John has also been a part of some postseason runs, but I also think some of it's a product of youth. Like for Ja, he's so used to being able to go up and try and put people on a poster, try and make these incredible plays. He went up in the middle and skied in this game and blocked. I, I forget if it was, it was Rui Hachimura who took off in the middle of the yes. lane, a guy who's considerably taller than Ja. And Ja just went straight up and completely rejected the shot. He's capable of a lot of things, and especially as a young player, you feel like you can go out and do all of those. 
But it's also realizing there are certain spots where because of what a gifted athlete you are, you're going to put yourself in harm's way. And for Job, this might be one of those moments that makes him say in the future, all right, maybe I'm going to pick and choose my spots a little bit more where I try and explode and make something happen. Because, Brandon, you and I are both taught, especially as football players, one of the first things my dad instilled in me was, hey, you got to learn how to fall right. You can't go and plant in the middle of a pile when you fall. you got to learn to roll, take some of the impact off. And that works when you're falling from normal heights in football. But from that altitude, there's really not a lot that Ja could have done. However you land at that point, especially when there's people underneath your feet and in the lane, it's going to do some damage to people involved. And so maybe that'll be something that informs how he goes about that a little bit going forward. We'll have plenty more NBA playoff reaction as we keep going forward here. But Brandon, it is Monday on this show. We are a show that, as we established off the top, loves us a good bit of reality dating television, which means it's time to hand out roses of the week. You and I each get two roses for deter- for deserving performers from over the weekend. Start us off, Brandon. Who is your first rose of the weekend going to here on the show? Uh, just because we've talked about him so much, let's get him off the plate. Austin Reeves. The great white hope for the Los Angeles Lakers, the reason why they will make a very deep playoff push. And it's not because of his stat line, Mike. You know, obviously he had 22 points, uh, but it is the – wait a minute. It was 22 points, correct? Yes. Yep. Uh, 23 points, four assists, and, and, and a rebound. But it's the 14 points in the fourth that does it for me, Mike. That's That's why he gets my rose today. Yeah, no, listen, deservedly so. He uh, All of the him memes that came off of that, the fact that he actually said it too, it's nice to know that even if we've overused that as a public in reference to great players, that players themselves are actually still shouting, I'm him. And feeling it in a moment, Mike. It was a very simple pull-up that he that he scored on that led him to, to declaring that he is him status. So you got to believe him. Hey, set a low bar and clear it. That's the way to ensure happiness in life. Um, Brandon, my first rose actually is going to dip into college football here. John Rice Plumley at the University of Central Florida. So former Ole Miss quarterback transferred to UCF and said when he got down there, he told Gus Malzahn, I want to play football and baseball. And that manifests itself in an ESPN 30 for 30 worthy performance on Friday. He played in UCF's baseball game versus Memphis. He went two for three with a triple, two RBI, and UCF won that game 12 to three. Then once it was secure, took a golf cart over to the football stadium where the spring game was going on. He's expected to be their starting quarterback this year. Gets in the game and accounts for over two touchdowns in that performance. He got tweeted at by Kyler Murray, who told him, play both as long as they'll let you. He got tweeted at by Deion Sanders, who was lauding his performance. Obviously, Deion, one of the greatest two-sport athletes ever. So one of those cool things to see. They did a lot of day-in-the-life footage behind him and took people through what had to be a very fun day for him, Brandon, to get to do something that unique. Yes, we all uh, imagine ourselves playing two sports in a big game like that. Everyone's watched the Bo Jackson uh, documentary for 30 for 30. This is uh, legitimately pretty cool, but I, I have to say it seems like a more feasible thing the lower level of football you get to. Well, yeah, I mean, that's Kyler Murray saying play both as long as they'll let you. Like, brother, yeah, they'll let you in college. And then after that, it's not if they'll let you, it's if you're good enough. And there are very few people that occupy that Kyler Murray stage. Like, yeah, like 
we can all think about doing this in Pop Warner. I would love to follow around a Pop Warner kid doing this just with a pack full of juice boxes and oranges going from practice to practice. And I'd imagine all of a sudden it's a lot less fun when you realize, man, this kid's probably just really tired and wants to go home. Right, yeah, true life, I'm a soccer mom. And it's just following around the mom carting the kid between sport to sport. And the kid's just exhausted in the background, wearing the wrong jersey. That's That was me at Notre Dame football and basketball camp the one summer where Mike Bray reminded me that I should probably stick with football. I was exhausted coming off both. I had shin splints. I was still a chubby little kid. And it was not nearly as glamorous as what John Reese Plumley put up. Uh, Brandon, who's your second rose going to? Uh, my second rose of the day. You know I love some history, Mike. You know I love black history. Jackie Robinson is uh, getting mm. my... Rose of the day, April 15th over the weekend. It was Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, it's first debut start for the MLB, Mike, uh, on April 15th. And everyone in the MLB wears that 42 jersey out there, uh, you know, just showing the change that happened in, in MLB and sports. And obviously, I love that documentary. I love the movie. I, I love the story. I love the realism that this guy from California came and changed everything for everyone in, in Major League Baseball. Hank Aaron and a bunch of other guys are on the other end of that uh, when it comes to where it led to. So I just want to give my rose to Jackie Robinson and his family today. No, absolutely. It's, it's always a, a jarring reminder turning on Major League Baseball games over that weekend and seeing all the 42 jerseys up there. We talked about important changes in the world of sports, and this is certainly one of the biggest ones. Um, Brandon, my last rose of the week is going to go back to college football because I got to put my hand up and admit when I was wrong and give some credit to Quinn Ewers, man. It was announced over the weekend by head coach Steve Sarkeesian that Quinn Ewers would be the starting quarterback for the Longhorns coming off their spring game where he finished 16 to 23 for 195 yards and one touchdown going up against Arch Manning, who we knew was coming into this with all the fanfare, all the NIL talk, and certainly a last name that was going to turn everybody's heads. And Sark basically said, yeah, Quinn Ewers went out and earned the right to do this and deserves that chance. And Brandon, I want to give him a lot of credit because coming off last year where he dealt with some injury, he didn't always play as well as he wanted to, especially down the stretch. And he had this looming specter of a kid in Arch Manning we've been talking about for a long time as a recruit coming in and looking over his shoulder. It's got to be pretty daunting as a competitor. And so for Quinn Ewers to go out in that environment and thrive, he certainly had the advantage of already having played in Sark's offense, having been there a year as a college starter, this could actually end up working out incredibly well for Texas if you get Quinn Ewers, who goes out and has a phenomenal year, becomes draft eligible, and then gives Arch Manning time to get his legs under him after having to deal with, even though it was muted by his family, one of the most important recruiting you know, cycles that we've seen in quite some time. So congratulations to Quinn Ewers. Texas, we will find out if you're back very soon. Uh, but Brandon, it's time to end this show the only way we know how to. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Brandon, time to finish off the day with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to get everyone on into the rest of their day. Um, 
Brandon, let's start with this. Because we mentioned some spring football in the world of college football, but we've got spring football in the NFL getting started now as well. Some off-season programs getting going for teams who show up. This is when the Mike Golick Juniors of the world uh, would head out to there and get ready to get cut in training camp, go out, get some workout checks, hang out around the building, learn the ins and outs. You start to go through. Yeah, respectfully, respectfully. Um, But this is where the off-season workout portions begin, and – it's worth noting that now we start the clock for the New York Jets, who begin their voluntary offensive uh, off-season workouts today without not only Aaron Rodgers, who they've basically said publicly they feel like is going to be their quarterback, and they're still working through that with the Packers, but also with former or with their defensive tackle Quinton Williams, who's another guy looking for a big payday. We've seen Jeffrey Simmons get paid this offseason. We've seen Jerron Payne get paid this offseason. So the D-tackle cash is flowing, and he wants a little bit of that. And so this is where you can start to, as a player, weaponize your presence to create a little bit discomfort and send that message. Not necessarily the case for Aaron Rodgers, but Brandon, one of your large brothers in arms, trying to go out here and get paid, and we support that because Quinn and Williams was a freaking beast last year. I, I love it. I love every second of it, Mike. I believe in Michael Strahan's last run with the Giants, he sat out all offseason and didn't start the season until camp ended. That set the market for me. I was like, if you know what you're doing, then you clearly don't have to do any of this silly team bonding stuff and you can get ready the same way that you know how to get ready in the offseason. It's the same thing with that quarterback that plays for UCF. It's like the reason people play baseball instead of football is because you can – take your time away from football like there's there's a big part of football that is just wasting your time that is so true Uh, we've seen and you know what i think it's less so now because and you especially hear this at the college level so many coaches have knocked their practice times down to an hour and a half or two hours i hear a lot of coaches talking about trying to get their meeting times down to like a half hour or 45 minutes accounting for the attention span of young people a lot of people want to make this a gen z thing where that's a generation that you need to hold their attention in a lot shorter bursts but i think in general that was always a struggle because in so many meetings, I remember, and I will not name the coach, but in the middle of training camp, we're watching film in our O-line room, and it's the dog days of camp. You're in these meetings for so long, like 45 minutes to an hour plus before practice. You have them after practice, and we're in this dark room, and normally the coach rewinds the plays, making corrections going through. All of a sudden, like three or four straight plays just go right on through without anything happening or anything being said. And we look in the back of the room and our coach has his head against the back wall and is out cold. So everybody realized (laughs) we were probably in there for a bit too long. And so Quinn and Williams, enjoy nap time on your own time. Enjoy the payday that you are due and is coming your way. Uh, We're very much looking forward to it. Brandon, let's get to that. Um, There's going to be a new James Bond. So they're getting ready to turn the page on this and get us a new James Bond. And apparently, as part of the way they've framed this to replace Daniel Craig, who's been in the role for a while, according to uh, the Radio Times, longtime James Bond casting director Debbie McWilliams gave the insight into what they were looking for and said... Basically, they're looking for an actor who will be a 30-something-year-old, relatively unknown man. Brandon, it feels like I got a shot to be James Bond. 
Like, if you want 30 and relatively unknown, I can be your guy. They said they tested with some younger actors. They didn't think they had the panache or the, you know, the ability to mm. kind of give the James Bond role what it needed as far as that poise and control. That feels like a perfect place for me to step in and be one of the first tattooed James Bonds that we've seen. I hear you, Mike, and you know I love supporting you, but when it comes to unknowns, who's more unknown than your boy right here? Like, I think I think you got to come knocking on my door before they knock on your door. You might be one of those famous cameos that could be, you know what? You could be my, the scientist that hands me all my cool gadgets and gadgets. You know what? I would I would gladly play that role for you, Brandon, because I think what we're really getting at here, and listen, I saw on like Jezebel, they named a bunch of people that could potentially be up for this. Joe Alwyn, fresh off his breakup with Taylor, reported breakup with Taylor Swift. It'd be yes. the first time I've seen him act in anything. Um, uh, <laughs> the guy who um, was uh, Reggie Jean Page um, that we saw from uh, the Netflix show, Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso. Someone threw out Chris Pratt or Jeremy know. Allen White, which those are both way too well-known guys. And most importantly, not thick enough. We need a thick James Bond. And that's where Ooh. I feel like pushing you as the James Bond candidate, relatively unknown 30-something-year-old male who also has some like beef that. and some ass to him is what the nation needs to heal now. We need a thick Bond. Yes. I mean, those, those five-minute fight scenes of just running, and it's just unbelievable what you're seeing. Imagine seeing a thick king do those things. Like, it'll be that much more unbelievable. The amount of sweat in the movie theaters for this would be off the charts. So, uh, <laughs> listen, uh, Ms. McWilliams, call us. We've got ideas. But, Brandon, let's get to the third. In addition to Love is Blind reunions and everything that went on this weekend in the NBA, we also had Coachella's first weekend finishing up. And a lot of fans got the disappointing news via YouTube that Frank Ocean was not scheduled to be a part of streaming of Coachella's first weekend. Coachella had really, I think, revolutionized a lot of putting their shows online for people that can't actually be out there at the festival so they can still enjoy it. And for Frank Ocean, who hadn't performed live, I think, since like 2012, this was a big deal to have him out there. And so you already had a very disappointed streaming audience on one side who wasn't going to get to see him and let people know about their frustrations. But it sounds like from TMZ, the reports of his set at Coachella were pretty lackluster. Um, people said he arrived for his first concert over years, over an hour late at about 11 p.m. to close out the first weekend. It said it was dimly lit, kind of a lethargic performance. And then at the end, approximately one hour in, apparently he just said, guys, I'm being told it's curfew. So that's the end of the show. And that's how he ended it. Brandon, the Stugats is strong in Frank Ocean. And I have actually a fair amount of respect for a guy who knew he was going to get paid anyway, coming out and doing what he was comfortable with and then just mailing the rest in. Listen, we're used to seeing acts that we haven't seen in a long time get back on stage, i.e. Rihanna. But Frank Ocean is not Rihanna here. He is not a performer. He is a singer. And he needs a little bit of uh, knocking off the rust, if you will. And I guess Coachella is going to be it. And maybe he doesn't care to knock off the rust. And you know what? There's part of me that appreciates that as well. Uh, we hope you appreciated us knocking off the rust on a Monday. If you do, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom, money in the bank.